0: As we think about salvation, we've spent a few weeks now talking about one man in particular or two men in particular. They are the rich man and Lazarus. That's right. And we find them in which book of the Bible? Luke. And that's important to remember. That is really the only spot we see. them. Luke chapter what? 16. I think it's up there, right? So hopefully you remember that. Either you're saved or you're not when you die i mean your confidence has come to fruition in christ if you're in jesus christ you know christ is savior your confidence is come to fruition romans chapter 8 we are glorified our bodies we've been predestinated and glorified having I mean, so many things we can see in romans 8 27 28 29 and 30 but then also when we think of the rich man he had no more hope in life, he had everything. At least it seemed like it. Now, he didn't have a microwave. How do we know that? They weren't invented, right. Okay. Uh, but he had everything that he could have wanted. But the reality is, when he died, there was no more hope. And that's a sad reality. And as we go through this lesson here today, I want us to remember that's the same for all of our friends, all of our enemies. Everyone we know, everyone we don't know, when they die, there is no more hope. It's either they're saved or they're not. And so that's what we've been discussing in Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 19 through 31. We've been looking at the rich man and Lazarus. What are some things that have stuck out in your mind as we've been studying this? What's something that stuck out in your mind? This is not the time to itch your face because I might call on you. Okay, Karen. Karen. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's a lot of interesting things as we can think about them and apply them. Yeah. What's something that stuck out in your mind through this brief study on the rich man and Lazarus? Nick. Yeah. I guess this is kind of a question, but did they ever give the rich man a name? No. He's known for his richness, but not for his name. And, you know, it's interesting as we stop and we think about that. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. We see that in Proverbs here this man chose his great riches and yet what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul yeah what else is something that stuck out in your mind about this study here the desire to purchase or gain heaven in our own way yeah in fact, we're going to talk more about that today, the desire to gain heaven in our own way, even if it's too late. But at that point, there is no more hope. And uh, that's what we'll be looking at here today, the rich man and Lazarus. And, uh, man, when we look at his life, it was a sad life, but it was more of a sad eternity. who's still is in hell and will be for all eternity. Someday even cast into the lake of fire. We looked at that in Revelation. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19 again, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But that wasn't the case when he died. Did he fare sumptuously when he died? No, he did not. And it's interesting, we're going to skip down through a little bit of this. Verse 24. 4. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He only, again, in hell, what is he thinking about? Others? Not here. He's thinking about himself. Again, he thought about himself. He fared sumptuously every day. At this point, he's thinking about himself. In fact, your first blank, the rich man was accustomed to controlling his environment. But he had no control in Hades, did he? (laughs) He wanted to control his environment. In fact, when it came to his household on earth, he had a lot of control over what was going on or who was around, who he allowed into his gate, who maybe he helped or didn't help on the outside of his gate, uh, what he had to eat, what he had to drink. We know he had plenty of food because he fared sumptuously every day. He was clothed in purple and fine linen. He had lots of money. But here in Hades, it did no good. You don't take your wealth with you. There are people who live for themselves here on earth, but they aren't going to take it. Whether it's the fun or the passions, the hobbies, whatever it may be, they're not going to take it with them. The rich man here, he was accustomed to controlling his environment, but here he had no control. Have you ever known someone who tries to control everything around them? Right? Now you don't have to point them out or talk about them, but we all know about them, right? Uh, That tries to control Everything, whether it's by their actions or with what they withhold. There have been churches where people do that. You know, I give my tithe is worth so much more than everybody else's, and so you will either do this or I won't give my tithe. There are people in churches who do that. And the sad reality, there are some of those churches who then have buckled and said, okay, we'll do this because, wait a second, God always takes care of that. Here, the rich man, though, he had everything he wanted on earth and he could control his environment. But he could not do that in Hades. Uh, Again, verse 24. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Think about this verse. He was looking for a little bit of relief. He didn't ask for a gallon of water. Even just a drop. From a finger that was dipped in water. There's not much left on that finger once you put it out of the water, is it? Yet, here, this is what he's looking for. It's also interesting, who does the rich man ask or really try to demand to do this? He asked Father Abraham to have mercy. Who does he want to come do it, though? Lazarus. Here's this man who had nothing, was worth nothing on earth, and here he's trying to Get him to do something again good for this rich man. Remember, he's the one worthy of everything. Wait a second. This Lazarus, he's lower on the totem pole, as some people would say. He's, uh, what is it, in India, the caste system that they have. And uh, the low of the low of the low. <laughs> and here's this rich man wanting Lazarus to fulfill all of these things. So here, your next blank there, we see that uh, in Luke sixteen twenty-four, the rich man gave Father Abraham his first assignment. Send Lazarus to cool my tongue. Yeah, right, like the rich man can tell him what to do. But really, that's what he's he's trying to do. He was in charge on earth. He could tell anybody to go do this, and they would do it. Jump, and they would say, how high? Here's the reality. He's trying to do that in Hades, and it doesn't work. He has no authority. What we have for authority in this life doesn't necessarily carry through, especially when we think of Hades. God is in control. God gave him plenty of opportunities. In fact, we'll see that here in a bit. That Yet he rejected God. So here his first assignment was that he gave was to send Lazarus to cool my tongue. But it's interesting. Verse 25. But Abraham said, Son... Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And, beside all this, between us and you there is, and this is one of the things I remember, Mark, you pointed out, one of the first, I think our first week in this study. Beside all this, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So there's a couple things Abraham's pointing out. It's not going to happen. You had all your good things in life. Lazarus had a lot of bad things in life, and now it's swapped. Not just because Lazarus had the bad things and the rich man had the good things, but because Lazarus had his faith in the Lamb of God, right? Uh, Looking ahead to that promised Messiah, uh, of course we know Jesus came, and after this it's recorded that Jesus died on the cross, That's why this difference came. You can have lots of money in this life and still have it right in heaven, can't you? There are people who are born-again believers, those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ on earth, and they have tons of financial resources. And they, again, they yield to God. But this rich man was trusting in all of his riches and said, this is what's going to be good for me. And it wasn't good. So then, he said, it's not just that, but also there is a great gulf fixed, this great section in between us. Our world likes us to believe, wants us to believe, those who have the gold make the rules, right? Those who have the gold make the rules. At least in our world, that seems to be, but the reality, that didn't carry through. It didn't happen in Hades. It wasn't going to continue on. Some, Some rich men used their money to get their way, but this rich man was flat broke in Hades. Some, some men use their money to try to get their way. People do that here on earth. Have you seen people like that? Someone who tries to get by the law because of their financial resources. Or people, again, we already mentioned sometimes people in churches do that and so many other things. But in hell, everyone's broke. He could not take it with him. I've heard. I've said it before, and maybe you've heard it other places. You don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse. <laughs> or you don't see a guy... hauling all of his stuff now sometimes people will put something in their casket of their loved one but they don't take that with them we see that uh, the pharaohs a few thousand years ago as they were placed in their pyramids their burial tombs they tried to get buried with so much stuff and either the stuff is still there or it was taken by grave robbers and there's signs of it they didn't get to take it on with them and that's what's going on with this rich man here he had it all in this life. And there are so many people today that think I'm okay because financially they have it together in this life. So, how do we share the gospel with them? How do we help them? Well, this rich man in a couple minutes we're going to see this rich man had some ideas of how he can help his brothers. And yet there's some truth told to him that someone can't go back from the dead. But here, the rich man, he he didn't have hope. Not anymore. Verse 24, he says, Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Even in how the rich man continued to view Lazarus as no more than an errand boy. Here's just this one. He's the, the low man. He's the one I look down on. Sometimes, get, even in life here in the United States of America, we say, well, let's have this person around because it seems like they've got it all together. And this person, uh, we'll show them love, but they can stay over there. Is there a time and a place for God's mercy? When? It is. And the only hope that we as believers have for mercy and eternity is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus right here. He mercifully wants to give us salvation. We sing that song sometimes. What is it? Wonderful, merciful Savior. And man, so many truths in that song as we sing it. Well, here Abraham says, you can't he's not going to come over there's a great golf and he can't come to you and you can't come to him you know maybe this rich man thought lazarus just existed to meet his needs i don't know exactly what he was thinking send him over right now that he can help me i mean who knows again remember and hal he's thinking very selfishly right in fact isn't in his life he thought very selfishly Couldn't he have even thought, hey, if Lazarus comes over, maybe I can hold him here and uh, he can experience some of this pain and punishment with me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he thought through some of that. We don't know what people's thought processes are in hell. People think, and they suffer for all eternity. It's real. And so here's this man. He's struggling with that. He wants some relief. And yet Abraham says, no, there was protection. So those in Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear. A uh, song, I think we sang it l- last week in Sunday school. How can I fear with Jesus? <laughs> I mean, we can't. We, we don't have to because perfect love casts out all fear. And so there's protection. There was protection for Lazarus because he put his faith and trust in God. There was the protection, Abraham. There was this protection, the Great Gulf. So again, even as Jesus Christ said, there's no way you can lose salvation. Do you know Jesus is Savior? If you're confident you're saved, and you can either be confident or wonder. And if you wonder, you need to deal with that. Because the Bible says these are written that you may, what? Know that you have eternal life. And that's in 1 John 5, verse 13. And so if you're not confident in that, deal with that. Maybe you just need to deal with the assurance of salvation. Maybe you need to get saved. But Lazarus, he had nothing to fear anymore. He was protected. Now, did he have a lot to fear in this life? When he was alive on earth. Yeah. I mean, what about those dogs that are licking his sores? Are they going to come eat him up? Um, what about his next meal? Where's that going to, I mean, so many things that he had to fear in life, but in eternity, it's all taken care of, which should be hope and bring hope for us right now. If you know Christ as savior, there are going to be difficult things in life, but God knows and he takes care of it and you can have confidence in him in all eternity. So the rich man, Lazarus, very different conditions, very different situations. And really the hope was very different, the confidence. And uh, the, the rich man wanted to have some mercy. Lazarus did not have to answer the rich man because Abraham protected him. That's your next blank there. Lazarus did not have to answer the rich man because Abraham protected him. Now it is interesting, the rich man addressed who? Abraham. Give me mercy. Send Lazarus. Maybe he, too, he he saw and he understood the idea of authority. There are some who are in authority, so I know Abraham's in authority, so I'm going to talk with him and go to Lazarus. But there was that protection for Lazarus. There was that great gulf between the two of them. Um, Heaven is a place for safety and protection from those who would harm us. That is the blessing. Is there a passage of Scripture that you can think of that reminds us that heaven is a place of safety? protection, even relief from things in this life. You don't have to know the exact verse. What's that, honey? Yeah, so God's going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. I believe that's in Revelation. Yeah, and so there are some great promises I think of Romans chapter 8. I think it's about verse 18 where it talks about how our bodies are groaning for that day of redemption. How many of you, your bodies are groaning for that day of redemption, right? How about emotions? Sometimes we forget that, but that's part of our physical body. Now, I do believe we'll experience emotions in heaven. Why? We've been made in the image of God, right? God gave them to us. So that's a reality. But sometimes our emotions, we struggle with the current situations we're in. But again, we can have hope in Christ. Our bodies ache and groan for that day. Heaven is a place of safety and protection. And uh, people who make you miserable, do you have anybody who makes you, ever makes you miserable in life? Now, ultimately, we have a choice in how we respond and deal with our emotions, don't we? But when those difficult times and people come up, my hope is Jesus. He is the rock on which I stand. You know, we can look at the truth of who he is. Um heaven. That is a day, glorious day. (laughs) Someday that that will be the old song says he'll take me by the hand and lead me through the promised land. Uh, When I look upon his face, wow, just seeing him, what a day that will be. Luke 16 verse 26, and beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Lazarus is protected, but then also neither can they pass to us that would come from thence your eternity is sealed and settled here on this earth some people say well i will wait to get right with god you don't know when your last breath will be they don't know when their last breath will be how many of you know someone who was younger than 18 or younger who passed away i think many of us do And they weren't planning on it. Now, some of us, we we know people who are younger than 18, and they battled with illness or disease. But there are others who it was just a car accident or in their 40s, and it was a quick accident, motorcycle accident. I mean, we've had some of those in our own area here this summer. We don't know what's going to happen. So let's deal with this now. Um, The rich man here, he thought he could get his way. He wasn't accustomed to being told no. In his life, he didn't have to hear that word. Because if he did, he could say off with their head and go get somebody else to replace that guy. He had a lot of yes-men surrounding him. He had the money to deal with this. So he wasn't accustomed to being told no. But again, we are reminded that in eternity, we don't get to, especially those in hell, uh, they don't get to say, this is how I want it to be. It's settled. He could not pass from thence. That's what the Bible says there. The rich man was not, uh, I I guess I skipped one there. Perhaps the great gulf fixed shows that every person's fate is irreversible. We can see that throughout scripture, many other passages. But again, they could not change the situation. By the way then, is there any purgatory? No, that is a doctrine that some religions, some uh, groups want us to believe. But purgatory is not a real place it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment and that's what we see going on here the rich man was not awarded a second chance to inherit eternal life his fate was sealed again as abraham said about lazarus but now he is comforted and thou art tormented it's settled does god want to be merciful is god merciful does god want to show everyone his mercy Yes, how do we know that? Yeah, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is merciful. And that's what we're going to get into here in a second because because then the rich man's like, well, wait a second, what about my brothers? You know, really, we've got a note there. Uh, It's kind of like what you might see on a bail bond business. If I can't get you out, you ain't getting out. There was no way that Abraham was able to get him out. Why? Because God is the judge. There was no hope. There was no way he could change his destination at this point. In Luke 16, 27 and 28, the rich man gave Father Abraham his second assignment. Send Lazarus to my brothers then. So then he says, okay, so you can't get me out. Uh, Then he said, verse 27, I pray thee therefore, Father. Notice even a little different address here. Earlier in verse 24, he said father abraham here in verse 27 he says father that thou wouldest send him to my father's house for i have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment okay so if there really is no relief for me how about he at least goes to my brothers go send him to my brothers again he could not change the destination of himself and he could not give instructions that were going to be followed it was set Unfortunately, uh, you know, some Christians even view God as their own personal errand boy. Okay, God, since this can't happen, how about do this? Yet God isn't that genie in the bottle. Even I was, Josiah and I were talking with someone this week. God's not just the man upstairs, He is the sovereign God of all creation. Some people don't want to view that. But yet, God is merciful. And he isn't just an errand boy, but he wants to show his mercy, the greatest needs. What are needs? Things we can't live without. Do we need salvation? Yeah, because it is for all eternity. The destination is hell. You ever had someone who said, I want to go to hell? You ever known someone like that or met someone like that? I remember when I was in high school, uh, talking with some boys, and uh, and they're smart-alecky, Uh, comments they they're like yeah I can't wait to go to hell I'm gonna go party with my friends they didn't understand what hell was Uh, the reality is there is no partying and the rich man realized that so he's trying to send then Lazarus to even his own brothers he he loved his brothers enough that he wanted to send him God's not an errand boy in hell we don't have that option to give instructions Um, but it's interesting to see this rich man all of a sudden he became very evangelistic Okay, okay, since there's no help, go send them to my brothers. The rich man was suddenly evangelistic, very concerned about the spiritual condition of his family. Yet he didn't care in life. I don't know about you. Have you taken opportunities to share the gospel? That doesn't mean we're always going to see a response, but show God's love with sharing the gospel. Really, here, the rich man, he saw God as a fire escape. Well, then you just go tell him. You know, go have him tell my brothers. And yet, the Savior, Jesus Christ, is to be loved and served. The response here, verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. The rich man, again, He he's de- addressing Abraham with his desire to go... Share this truth, then, with his brothers. I pointed out that he did address him as father in verse 27, and in verse 24, it was father Abraham. We see some differences there. Of course, it's the same Greek word, uh, but the reality is there's a different address, more of a polite, more of one that shows great respect in verse 24, as opposed to verse 27. There's greater respect shown in verse 24 than 27. And we see that. When addressing Abraham in uh, Luke 16, 27, the rich man used the term expressing less respect. It was just father. So again, he saw him as having authority, but there was less respect that was shown. The rich man. When Father Abraham said, okay, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. What is that referring to? scripture. And yet, what does this rich man say? He said, nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. It's not the word of God. That scripture stuff isn't going to change them. Are there people that are like that today? Yeah. Well, then you just send someone from the dead. Now, Abraham said, even if we send someone from the dead, they're not going to believe Verse 31, And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. By the way, after this, did one rise from the dead? Who? Okay, especially Jesus. And yet people today say, well, no, that's not good enough. He didn't really do that. So again, we could have people rise from the dead all the time, but wait a second. As Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. It's the word of God. On Wednesday evenings in the auditorium, and actually I guess in the youth group too, haven't we? We've been studying about how we can understand God's word, the scripture. Because this is what's life-changing for you and me. Not some emotional reaction and response. Ooh, someone rose from the dead. Abraham said, even if Lazarus came back from the dead, they wouldn't hear him and believe him. They might see that as some mystical person. Or some weird situation. But the credit wouldn't go to God. It is the word of God that makes all the difference. Jesus Christ prayed in John 17, 17. Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is powerful, Hebrews 4, 12, and sharper than any two-edged sword. The rich man viewed scripture as inadequate and ineffective. And yet, really, it was the power of God, wasn't it? It was the power of God. Many Christians also underestimate the power of God's word. Don't they? Have you ever shared the gospel with someone and you felt so inadequate? It happens. But the reality is it's not you or me who has to convince them to get saved. We share the scripture. That's why as I preach, we open up the word of God, not just some nice truth to apply this to life. Some of you may have seen the movie Time Changers anybody ever seen that I know we have it I think we have it in our library here uh, Time changers is a Christian sci-fi style movie which is very unique and interesting but what they're doing is they're showing this these college professors who write books and this was what the 1800s I think and it's all of course it's not true. But it's the 1800s, they're writing books, and in order for this college to put their stamp of approval on the book, each of the professors has to sign off on it. And there's one professor who won't sign off on this book because, sure, there's a lot of moral teaching in it, but he doesn't show scripture. And he said, without scripture, what is it? And that's the same for life today. We don't want to just live moral lives, we don't want to just teach our kids to conform. Going through a book right now called Boundaries. A great book, very challenging. One of the things it's pointing out, even as we parent our kids, but this is just one chapter, incredible book. I would encourage that for any of you. Uh, But as we parent our kids, it's not just that we want them to conform and obey, but we want them to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Scripture is powerful. We need to present the scripture. Isaiah 55, 10, and 11, and Romans 1, 16, both those passages are on your page, so we won't read through those. But a couple phrases in there. It shall not return unto me void. That's the power of God's word. And in Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? Power of God unto salvation. The rich man believed a dead man would have more credibility than a living man. Moses and the prophets were dead men who already had spoken by God's Spirit. And it was written, recorded. The rich man believed Lazarus would be more credible than Moses and the prophets. But the reality is the word of God is powerful. The Lord Jesus rose from the dead, but the world is reluctant to believe his words. Jesus is alive. I think it was this week our older girls watched the movie The Case for Christ. I don't know. Maybe some of you have seen that. How, how many of you ever read the book? Anybody ever read the book? It's another great book. I would encourage that. Um, it just again, why we believe Jesus Christ is real. Lee Strobel, who is a um, oh journalist for the Chicago Tribune, investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune, really put a lot of effort into that. And uh, really, it's a challenging book on again pointing back to why we believe the Bible is real. <laughs> Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. But what a challenge. The Bible is powerful. Even when Jesus rose from the dead, people didn't believe he was the Messiah. The rich man said, send someone from the dead because they'll believe. And Abraham said, nope. They have Moses and the prophets. So really, when we stop and we think about it, we need to share the scripture this week. It's not just enough to invite someone to church. So that's good and important. We don't want to just add to Jerusalem Baptist Church. We want to see people know Jesus Christ as Savior. God's word makes all the difference. So as we've studied hell, we've studied the rich man and Lazarus this summer, as we have studied men who don't deserve salvation, it really should compel us to tell the lost about the Lord Jesus as we read about all of these individuals in the Bible. Are you compelled to tell the lost about Christ? Do you care? It is the word of God that makes a difference. Have you seen it in your own life? Anybody? Seen the word of God and make a difference in your life? There's four of us in here. Anybody else? Right? I mean, that's all of us, right? If you've really let God's word make a difference. So if that happens as believers, let's share that with the unbelievers so they can know Christ and be changed by the power of the word of God. Father, we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your word and its power. Would you help us to be changed and let you make a difference through your word? God, help us to have the right words to say as we share the gospel and as we help challenge other believers. But God, I thank you that it's your word that's powerful, more powerful than anything that we can ever say and try to convince people in our own strength. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go and share the gospel this week.